All right, welcome back to Twink's Awakening, a podcast about Nintendo's series of Joanna Newsom Harp Hero rhythm games, The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephanie, and I'm the, the quote-unquote Zelda expert. And my name is Jay, and I am a fake gamer boy. <laughs> Do you think uh, Joanna Newsom has played Skyward Sword? I hope so. Uh, I feel like probably not, but I mean, she could probably surprise me. She already has surprised me with just when I learned things about her life. <laughs> so. Do you think she would play it and be like, oh, this is so cute. There's a harp in this game. Or would she play it and be like, this is bullshit. Harp is way harder than this. You know, she would probably say that, but also I'm, I'm thinking that just because I was thinking that because it's the funny thing about the harp in this game is like they don't even try to pretend like you're playing a melody. It's literally just strumming up and down and they don't even make it sound like you're it's not like you're playing a song. You're basically just doing like a C scale up and down. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Link just sucks at it, canonically. Yeah, like, Fi does all the work. You get a new song, and you play the harp, and she just sings all of it while you just kind of... Like, I mean, I get it. Link has a lot on his plate. Like, he doesn't really have time to learn how the intricacies of playing the harp, but still. Maybe on Nintendo's next console, there will be motion controls so good that it can simulate, like, plucking vertically aligned strings in space like without frets or anything and there's like 30 of them but the technology isn't quite there yet yeah not quite there yet and like i feel like there's a very fine balance that zelda has between playing the instruments making it too easy and making it too hard like the nintendo 64 struck a really good balance with just making it the buttons but Mm -hmm. then i play something like spirit tracks which i guess we haven't covered yet but it's genuinely so infuriating that that's why i never finished playing the game so, uh, yeah. But yeah, we finished Skyward Sword, and uh, how did you like the rest of the game? Uh, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the bulk of the plot comes from the back part of the game. So Yeah, and a couple of really solid dungeons, um, and yes. probably some parts that you could say are a little bit like padding the length of the game. Yeah! Which no, I fully agree with that. It's... <laughs> Yeah, I know when I went to go pick up the game again after a while of not playing it, I knew I was in for some of my favorite dungeons in the entire series, but then I was like, oh god, after I beat this, I'm gonna have to do the Tadtone quest. (laughs) So I knew that was coming, and I was a little bit like... I was dreading a couple parts of it. Even though I like the bulk of the game, there's a couple parts I just don't really really care for, and they could have spread them out better, but I guess we'll talk about it kind of bit by bit, because we're gonna cover the remaining dungeons and the the rest of the plot and everything so yeah full spoiler cast oh yeah full spoilers so last time we kind of didn't spoil the plot but this one's gonna you know (laughs) this one has a ton of lore which is why this is one of my favorite zelda games i love lore and they basically made this game to be you know i mean it's the zelda origin game it's the first game in the zelda timeline so they, they created it with that in mind, which I, I'm a big fan of that kind of thing, but I know some people didn't care for it, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, I guess we can pick up where we left off. Uh, we Where we left off last time was we did the Furore Silent Realm in the, the wooded region, and I think we hadn't quite gotten to the dragon yet, but the, the next thing we did was get to the first dragons which how do you do you like the dragons 
Um, why do they look like that? Um, yeah, I guess they were going for like a very specific type of dragon design instead of going. It's yeah. It yeah, it's like very human, like flat faced, and they have like lips. They <laughs> like, do have lips. Yeah, it's like a very specific like Eastern dragon type design that when I first heard there were going to be dragons, I was expecting kind of like a Volvagia from like Ocarina of Time type dragon. And then I, I see them and I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's very, mo- very much not like a Western dragon that I was expecting. They're, yeah. they're interesting. They, they all look kind of just like the same thing, but with a palette swap is my main, like they do have slight differences, like one's female, I guess, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know, they're fine. I was also curious because they're named Farron, Elden, and Lanayru, are they like supposed to be a previous version of the goddesses from Ocarina of Time? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know exactly. How, like, I feel they're definitely named after the goddesses, but I don't know how they fit in. Like, if they're some sort of reincarnations of the goddesses, because the the goddesses are Din, Ferrora, and Nehru, so then they're kind of named similarly, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. I don't. I don't know exactly. Know what they were going for there. I guess it's maybe ambiguous on purpose. Yeah, I was just imagining somebody going back to this game like, oh, I want to see the deep lore on my favorite goddess, Ferrore. And then they get to Farron, and she's like a weird worm sitting in a pot. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember if this was like... No, this was not the first game where they named regions after this, because I feel like Twilight Princess did as well. It does become kind of like a... It becomes a motif in Zelda games after a certain point where there's like a Farron region and an Elden region. Like they, they did it in Breath of the Wild and stuff, but I don't think they started it until... Twilight Princess, and then it became something that continued on after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also meet another race, which we didn't talk about last episode. Another race? The Pirellas. Yeah, the oh, Pirellas. Yeah, I'm thinking you're saying race like like a physical race. Um, yeah, no, like, I liked the Pirellas. They're just like these little, they're like a cross between a jellyfish and a seahorse almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like them. My little tidbit is apparently in development they were supposed to look more like Zoras, like the more humanoid ones. Oh, that would have but been they cool. changed them to look more primitive, supposedly. Hmm. And my read on that is that they made them less horny. <gasps> they were is... like tired of people wanting to fuck the fish in Zelda <laughs> oh, games. Okay, but if they were tired of that, then how do you explain Breath of the Wild? Because <laughs> it's like well, they know, went... it works. It works in cycles. That's true. I guess they were like, okay, it wasn't horny enough, so now let's just go to the other end of the spectrum. So then, so basically, the next time there's a new Zelda game that's not Breath of the Wild two, where we can probably expect a very, a very low end of the horny scale for the water race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just like weird umbrella shapes on these guys, and they seem kind of stupid, like on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like later on, when Farron Woods is flooded. Um, if you swim around and talk to them and some of them have useful tips but then others are just like whoa the woods are flooded and you're like thanks dude it's like yeah I'm guessing you're probably noticing this because you normally can't hang out here because normally there's not water yeah. <laughs> everywhere uh, but yeah they they're suddenly just hanging out and they're very like afraid of everything because there's monsters in 
They're not the most memorable race from this game, but they're still cute. I do like yeah. them. And the one you talk to the most is literally named Jelly. Like, <laughs> it's just the word jellyfish cut off in the middle. Like, that's not a name. <laughs> they really just, they, yeah, they, they just did that. They, they give the races the funniest names sometimes. Like, the magmas just have great names every time I read them. I'm like, yeah, your name is just like Mott or something. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> the water dragon is very particular. Like, she she wants everyone to be, like, very polite at all times, basically. But then she very quickly just decides, okay, I can trust you because you seem fine, I guess. I don't exactly know what her judgment is, but uh, she lets you... She she accepts your help, I guess I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And this leads us to Ancient Cistern, the next yeah. dungeon that we did. This is one of the best dungeon designs in the whole Zelda series. This dungeon rules. Yeah. It's probably my favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. It's really good. The item rules. The item is the whip, which there are not enough Zelda games that give you a whip. Like The only other one I can think of is... Spirit tracks, but I don't really like spirit tracks, so it kind of cancels out. It rules. Mm-hmm. A whip with motion controls is just so fun. <laughs> True. My favorite part about it is how Link dies and goes to hell in the middle of it. Yeah, this dungeon is like a super heaven and hell type motif going on. Like you walk in and there's this huge, like, Buddha like statue in the middle and it's all very like paradise and then yeah you go to hell when you go to the the basement of the dungeon and everything is just purple and there's like zombie bacoblins <laughs> mm-hmm. it's good and um this dungeon is based off the myth of uh the spider's thread which is uh it's just a you know a, a casual myth about climbing up a spider's thread from hell mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and you do that in this dungeon. When you want to get back up to the main part of the dungeon, there's like a spider's thread that you crawl up, uh, you climb up, and a bunch of bokoblins try to pull you back down into hell. <laughs> and it fucking rules. It's so good. Yeah, it's very like cinematic. And even uh, even if you don't know that it's like based on that story, there's just like a narrative feel to it. There's like a progression. Because the underworld part looks so different from the rest of the dungeon. Yeah, it's so strikingly different. And yeah, it just has such a different vibe. It's so cool. And then after you... And the other thing I really like about going to the basement is that you you have your first Stalfos battle in it where you, like, right when you go down the, the middle of the dungeon to get there. The Stalfos music in this game is possibly my favorite song from the entire game like it's just such fun battle music i don't usually care about battle music but it's so good mm-hmm. i um i really like the dead bokoblins um mm-hmm. the bokoblins in 3d zelda games i feel like have gone through this transition from like this like ugly cutification <laughs> from like twilight yeah. princess where they were just straight up ugly yeah and then in breath of the wild they're like adorable everybody loves them they've got mm-hmm. these big ears and like pig snouts and yeah and this game is like a weird middle point where they've got the bright colors like breath of the wild but they have like these weird high foreheads and like their faces like small and i don't know i don't really like them but 
the cursed bokoblins in this dungeon, the zombie ones. Yeah. I love these guys. Like, it turns out all they needed to do to make me like the bokoblin design is make them dead. Make them dead! And then just make them like zombies. And when you kill them, it's they kind of just come back up again unless you do a final blow on them, which is, I think it's called final blow. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. When, you, when you do the final attack where you leap into the air and plunge your sword into their chest. <laughs> so dramatic. And they just have, like, really bad control of their bodies. Like, Link hits them, and they stay <laughs> tilted in that direction that he hit them in. Yeah, it's really good. The The part where, like, the you're in the basement of this dungeon, and you lower the entire middle part, and it comes down and just, like, crushes. <laughs> it's very good. I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um... And then when you get to the boss of this dungeon at the very top, like in the in the attic of this dungeon, this is very like I'm not exaggerating. This is my favorite boss in the entire Zelda series, Kalaktos. Wow. Um, it's just so fun because I mean, most Zelda bosses, you know, they make you use the item from that area to fight them, and this one is the whip. So he's just this huge robot guy who. Is he has multiple arms and he swings huge swords at you and you have to pull his arms off with the whip and then you have to pick up his swords and hit him with his own swords. It's just, it's really, it's, it's so fun. Mm-hmm. This battle rules. And the music's really good too. Yeah. I like how they let you pick up his giant swords that are like the size of Link. It was very yes. like Wind Waker vibes where you do that a lot in that game. It really is. It's so fun. And you like cut his arms off with them and whack him in his, his, you know, his funny Zelda chest eye. It's not an eye, but like his, mm-hmm. his obvious point that you're supposed to whack him with. It's, it rules. Yeah. I've, it took me a long time. Like it felt like it took a lot of hits to kill him. And I suspect that I was doing something wrong. Like I was hitting his weak spot with his swords, but it probably only tracks like the number of hits and not different damage amounts i feel like because if i had been hitting him with the mass with the regular sword it probably would have gone faster mm, i feel Cause like because I, I was just i was in this fight for like 30 minutes like doing it right and hitting him but he just wasn't dying hmm i feel part of it too is that like you have to wait for him to even reveal his chest in the first place and that sometimes take especially because like when he attacks you he is swinging a massive sword at you so if you do take the risk and get hit you it takes a ton of damage so it is one of those bosses where you have to kind of be patient waiting for the right spots to to go in and hit him but yeah, it's. I think you have to hit his chest with the big sword. I'm not sure. Well, maybe well, you, you do, don't. You do it first to get like the grate off of it. Yeah. But then I think at that point they expect you to like drop the big sword and like flail away like you do on most bosses. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. I feel like I always hold the big sword after that too. But maybe that's not the most efficient way to do it, and I just do it because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. But. One of the things I like about Zelda games is the bosses tend to die in like three hits. I, f- I consider that like a strength of the series, right? I go yeah. from this to playing like any other game where there's bosses that have invisible HP. And if you hit them more than like 10 times and they're still alive, I'm like, what is this? What, what, yes. You're wasting my time. Yeah, I do really like that Zelda games do not require you to be very skilled at combat. Like there are Zelda bosses that I've definitely had to try multiple times to kill 
but I'm not good at video games. So they, you know, it's balanced so that you can beat them even if you suck at stuff. Whereas if you play a lot of other video games, you know, there's, there's just a steep learning curve and you have to just get good. Mm -hmm. So I do yeah, love that about it. The cool boss, I definitely like the design. Mm -hmm. It's a good design. And this, this is just banger after banger of dungeon because the last one we did before Ancient Cistern was the Lineru mining facility, which is another favorite of mine. So then you do Ancient Cistern and then you go to the Sand Sea and you do the Sand Ship. And that is another one of my favorites in, in not just this game, but the series. Um, the Sand Sea is kind of cool. Like the... I love how this game uses the time shift stones to make things go from the past to the, the present to the past. And this one is just really cool because the next region you go to is back to the desert and you go to a new area in the desert that's called the Sand Sea. And I, I, Matt was watching me play this and he was like, why is it called the Sand Sea if there's no ocean? And I was like, just watch. Oh. And then when the, when you like hit the time shift stone and all the sand turns in, all the sand in like a certain radius around you turns into water and you just go on your boat. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good progression they set up with like, the time shift stones that are stationary and then ones that like get driven around on carts that you have to follow yeah. and then finally they're just like okay you can drive one yeah no exactly they they make such good use of the time travel puzzles in this game and the sand ship is no exception like it's it's just really cool having to figure out like okay i need to be in this time period to do this part of the puzzle and then i need to like go back and hit this button and, and make it work. And they kind of do it throughout the whole game rather than just having it be in, you know, the like it's not just Lineru Mining Facility. You come back and do it again in Sandship, and then you come back and do it again when you have to, um, when you have to talk to the Thunder Dragon again, like later on in the game. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really cool how they kind of elevate it. I do wish there was more stuff in the Sand Sea, like, because yeah. once again, like my brain just goes like, oh, there's a little wind waker in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. There's like a little great sea in it, but there's not actually like even any um, like goddess cubes or collectibles yeah. really. It just like looks nice mostly. Yeah, the, it's not a ton. Like you go to the pirate hideout and that's pretty much it. Uh, you go to the pirate hideout and then you go right to the sand ship after that. And that's pretty much it. And like, you basically are just following a map the whole time. It's not like there's room for you to explore there, which that's kind of a lot of people's complaints about Skyward Sword is how a lot of it kind of feels like it's very linear progression. There's not a lot of room to kind of go and find other stuff. Um, the regions aren't super huge, but yeah, it's 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 a bit nitpicky, I think. Mm. Yeah, the Sensi was definitely like highly acclaimed, though. I remember even in like 2011, people talking yeah. about it, and I've seen footage of it before. Like it does, it's like really striking. Um, and if you never like, I'm sure people had just like never seen anything like that in a game before. Yeah, I think it's really cool, and the Sandship in particular. I think this was, I think Sandship was my favorite dungeon in the game the first couple times I played it, closer to when it came out. I think that has changed now, but it's still, it's still really up there for me, at least. It's still mm -hmm. very good. I actually really liked even just finding the Sandship, because you have yeah. to douse for it, but it's moving. And you mm -hmm. have to be like, 
To really chase it, you have to be moving and dowsing at the same time, which at first is like, I don't want to do that. That sounds hard. <laughs> and, and then switch quickly from that into controlling the cannon so that you can hit it. And that's, that's like three different things you have to juggle. But if you finally get it, you just feel like a badass ship yes. captain. Yeah, it's very good. So the actual sand ship is uh, it's Skipper's sand ship. <laughs> He's just one of the robot guys. I love the robots. And uh, it's been taken over by monsters, as a Zelda dungeon is. And uh, you start out just in the present, and everything is, you know, the, the sand ship is just in the middle of the sand, of course. <laughs> um, but you very quickly start to realize that you can, you know, go back to the past where everything is a lot more colorful. There's a lot more enemies who are coming back to life. Um, there's like a time shift stone right in the very center of the actual dungeon, like on the ship's mast, basically. Mm -hmm. so yeah, really a, high up. Yeah, there's a part where you have to climb up to get to kill all the enemies because they hide, They basically put a grate around the time shift stone so you can't access it. So you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just climb up and kill all these bacoblins then, I guess. I don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. There's a good aha moment in this dungeon when you realize you can shoot that time shift stone from like inside from below the deck like through yeah. a fan yeah yeah that rules because it's like there's a part yeah because when you get down there it's like you need to be able to do a certain task but then you need to be in the past to be able to do it um and so yeah just looking through the ceiling and seeing that there's like a ray of light coming down and you can see the time shift stone from there is that's awesome um but yeah, I like I like the idea of designing a dungeon as just a boat, like it's literally a boat, because that's a good <laughs> motivating force towards not getting lost in it. Whereas <laughs> like sometimes a lot of dungeons are kind of intimidating to navigate. But if it's just a boat, it's like, what am I? Am I not as smart as a seaman? Surely <laughs> I can find my way around. Yeah. Um, I like, yeah, the size of this one is nice because it's not huge. And because it's really just like the boat itself has like I guess it has three floors, but the top floor barely has anything on it. And the size kind of becomes bigger once you consider the scope of changing the time back and forth, I guess. Kind of like, I'm thinking like when you play a link between worlds and it's like, yeah, the overworld is already fairly large. But then as soon as you consider that there's also a dark world aspect of it, there's like the, suddenly the overworld is like twice as big as it actually is. So I like how they kind of have a smaller dungeon feel bigger with the time travel element. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then this one kind of has a narrative arc too because it gets attacked <laughs> by a sea monster. It does get attacked by a sea monster and you have to use your bow. I love that this game introduces the bow so late. <laughs> like, I'm, like in other Zelda games, it's generally one of the earlier weapons you get. Like sometimes you'll get a slingshot or a boomerang first as your projectile. And in this game, you got the slingshot first, but this is the third last dungeon in the game. And that's when you finally get it, which is mm -hmm. kind of nice because I don't love using the bow with the motion controls. Yeah. But the thing I remember most about this fight actually against um, Tentalis, uh, which looks like a Monsters Inc. character, mm -hmm. is, isn't is really the bow. It's um, having to do the Skyward Strikes over and over. Mm -hmm. It's like a crash course in being able to do those consistently because you need to in order to cut its tentacles. Yeah, it's annoying. I've I found that I had a lot more trouble getting the Skyward Strikes to work on the... the um, 
on the Switch than I did on the Wii in the original game. And I think it's just that the it doesn't recognize exactly which direction I'm pointing the sword a lot of the time, which it's annoying. I mean, the game is still very beatable. It's not a very hard game for the actual mechanics of it, but it was kind of annoying. There was a couple parts in the game where you really have to make use of Skyward Strikes and it's... <laughs> I had a, I had to keep pressing the Y button or whatever to to recenter my Joy-Con. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is if your hand isn't like completely level with the ground, then it won't read directly upwards correctly, or yeah. that like directly upwards isn't even directly vertical. It's like slightly at an angle actually. Mm-hmm. But once you do them like a bunch of times in a row, you kind of uh, like get a sense for where that point is that you have to be at. Yeah, no, for sure. Like it, it becomes easier once you're doing them in rapid succession and you have to cut yeah. his tentacles a few times before he'll appear again and you can shoot his big funny Zelda eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a funny fight anyway. Like first you have to give him bangs so that you can hit. Yeah. The <laughs> and then in the in the last phase, his tentacles like have mouths on the end of them, which yeah, is kind don't... of tr- kind of troubling biologically, but like yeah. I guess he's a demon or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, they become like snakes that chase you and want to push you off the boat, which is fine, but <laughs> it is a little bit weird. But yeah, he's he's a very, very silly Zelda boss. I, I did kind of think like, man, this guy kind of looks like shit, but that is kind of what I like about it. I don't really, I mean, I don't play Zelda games for them to look amazing or like for, this, for the bosses to be like really cool. Mm-hmm. He, do, he looks a little, he gets silly with it. I have a question about Skipper and his robot family. Mm-hmm. Um, Skipper, like at Skipper's retreat, there's a bunch of little robots that call him dad. And like, what? what's the deal with that? Phi at one point says that they're synthetic life forms. So like, do they like give birth and get sick and stuff? Are they actually alive or oh. are they a bunch of iPhones that somebody like left in the desert and their batteries ran out? I don't know who made them because there's no, the only living thing other than a monster in the desert is Lanayru, the dragon. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if he just made all the robots. Like I imagine if they have robot families that maybe they're just adopting or something. But what what's the idea behind, you know, a baby robot? Like, are they not made fully, like, with all their software downloaded already? Uh-huh. I'm really skeptical know. of any media asking me to, like, project feelings on robots or, like, feel sorry for them. <laughs> like, no, sorry, these are toasters. <laughs> the, they're um, so cute! They're cute toasters! <laughs> even um, the fight against the the... Uh, pirate captain boss Skirbo. Um Fire yeah. remarks that like, wow, it's impressive that he managed to last this long because you fight him in the present actually, and not in the past. So like, he had to stay functional. And it's like, yeah, uh-huh. you, they just made him like that with good battery life. Like, it's not yeah. like he tried hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun battle too. He's kind of annoying. He's one of those battles where you have to be more aware of exactly which way you're swinging your sword against him. And yeah, I died against him on my very first try here. And then I was like, 
God damn it, I should probably go get some more potions. And then I was going to go leave the sand ship and I accidentally walked through the wrong door and walked into the door that leads you back to him. And so I had oh. to battle him again immediately after. And then I won because I had a better idea of how to dodge his attacks and stuff. But I was like, okay, I guess that just happened. <laughs> I mm. guess I just went and fought him again by accident. Yeah. Inter that's interesting. I thought I remember just like thrusting at him over and over, just like poking him until he fell off. Yeah, and not even kind doing of. any. Um, I I had to dodge a bit because when he does the big swing at you, he if he hits you, he does a pretty big chunk of damage. So I would just do like a backflip away when he would do those attacks. Mm -hmm. The other thing, the last thing I wanted to shout out about the sand ship is how there's just a chair inside of it, mm -hmm. like. Which in this game is a mechanic where if you want Link to be fully healed, you just have a sit. You just sit down and he just restores those little hearts. <laughs> it is very cute. I love that you can just do that. I feel like they've kept that as a mechanic because I think that was a thing in Breath of the Wild as well. Oh, yeah. But I can't remember any other Zelda games where that was a mechanic as yeah, far there as weren't I know. There weren't a lot of chairs in Breath of the Wild. They kind of lost that technology. Yeah, you'd think that, you know, a region so big, so many people living there, you'd be able to just sit, have a sit. You should just be able to sit down on a rock in Breath of the Wild and heal <laughs> your health. You <laughs> should just sit in the grass. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice. Good for your, you know, just meditate for a little bit. It's good for you. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so after we finish the sand ship, we get another uh, another little song because, well, every single time you do one of these regions, you do have to do a silent realm. Like there is a silent realm for the Lineru Desert. There is another one right after this for the uh, for the volcano region, for the Elden Volcano. Um, and every silent realm gives you an item, like the Furor Silent Realm gave you the thing I think it let you swim the Lineru one gives you the double claw shots which are extremely fun to use and then the fire one the the Din's silent realm gives you some funny little earrings that let you withstand extreme heat mm -hmm. <laughs> which is very cute to me like Link just spends the rest of the game wearing these little fire earrings yeah the first one was the the dragon scale that let him swim those yes. are funny to me. That one's funny to me because, um, it, like, he needed a special item from the gods in order to swim with both hands <laughs> instead of yeah. with one well, arm like a weirdo. I've been thinking about this the last day just because of Legends Arceus coming out. And oh, in yeah. this game, it's like, okay, if you want to swim, you're going to literally die. Like, you're just going to drown unless you have a funny magical Pokemon that will let you do it. And it's just like... How do I not know how to swim? <laughs> like, I'm 15 years old, and I come from a region that has an ocean, and I I, I don't know. But anyway, I was thinking about that <laughs> the last couple days. But mm -hmm. uh, the, the volcano region, we now get to go to this new part of the volcano region. We have to do, like, a little bit of a quest before actually getting to the fire sanctuary, where you have to, like, collect water to pour on these guys, these like little frog, these wall frogs, they have their tongue out and they're thirsty. So they need you to like, they're like, water me, Link. And you have to <laughs> yeah. water them. 
I thought they were kind of cute. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Fire Sanctuary is a cool dungeon. It's one of those ones where I feel like I just... It is a good dungeon and I do like it, but I feel like it's more memorable to me for the music because the Fire Sanctuary music just goes. So oh, yeah. I ha- I've, I've put it on a few Zelda playlists before, but it's mm-hmm. it's very good music. Yeah, there's also the... The frog guys are also inside this dungeon a little bit. And there's those, yeah. hanging, those, those hanging fruits that have like water inside them, mm-hmm. which um, there's like a room full of them. And it took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out what I was supposed to do with those. Because right? the, the only thing that interacts with them is thrusting with your sword. It's not like you can't use the beetle. You can't like shoot them with the arrows and have them fly in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's like literally just like this one thing out of all of Link's tools. Yeah, and you can't even bit. you can't even just swing your sword at them. You have to <sighs> yeah. you have to thrust them with your sword to put them on the end of your sword, and then you have to whip them at the wall <laughs> with your sword to make them land yeah. on the frog tongue. But okay, but did you feel like a brain genius when you figured it out? Um, no, I was more embarrassed that I hadn't figured it out yet. Um, <laughs> okay, but I think well, this is I the same like- dungeon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I felt pretty embarrassed that it took me a while to figure it out because I've played this game like twice before. Like, it's been a <laughs> while, but I've played it before. So it's, I was like, what am I doing? Okay, I'm, I feel validated then. It's like not, yeah. not a great design. I do like using them. Um, I think this is the dungeon that has the boss against the, they're like wall masters, but made of fire. And you have yeah. to do the same thing against them. And yeah, I like those are cool. kind of on purpose slash on accident hit both of them with the same water balloon and I felt awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever managed to hit both at the same time with it. Uh, those are That's a really cool little boss because I remember the first time you walk into a room where one of them is will lift you up to like you stand on a little a little thing a rock and he'll lift you the magma hand will like lift you up to a higher area um i don't think you can actually kill that one so i walked around for a while trying like all my items on it like i was blowing it with the gust bellows and everything and i'm like all right i I don't think i can kill this guy right now but um yeah you have to whip the the little water things at him and then there's the part well okay so there's there's magmas in here and they seem to have, some of them have been like tied up to the ceiling and you have to free them. And they give you these fancy magma mitts that before you could just dig in holes and like sometimes you'd get items or like sometimes they'd start blowing like gusts of air up. But now you can go in the holes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like little top down puzzles like a 2D Zelda. Yeah, it's, I like those. Um, and there's some funny little like centipede guys who will try to attack you if, if they see you in there too. And there's like one part where you have to, you have to get the magma flowing in order for um, a piece of rock to actually float down the magma. So if you haven't actually gotten it flowing, it won't work. So you have to like get it flowing by going underground and whacking this thing and it like lets all the lava flow through. And I definitely died the first time I did this back in like 2011, when you like let the lava out and it like comes down and you have to get out of the cave as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. I definitely didn't get out fast enough the first time. And it was just like rest in pieces, Link. Yeah, Um, I could see some people not liking these segments maybe because they're a little bit slow. 
but like yeah. that one definitely instills some urgency. Yeah, they you kind, don't want They kind of look like this game, um, Mole Mania, that was on the Game Boy that Miyamoto was the director for. <laughs> oh, really? I've never, I've never played it, but I've watched um, YouTube video okay. essays about it. <laughs> huh? I've never seen it, but I can see why they would be similar just based off the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally, like, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. It's so fucked up when you go into one of the holes for the first time and another magma is in there and you can see, like, his legs. Oh, yeah. Because well, yeah, no. they're usually just <laughs> popping out of holes and you can see his whole body. It's like, it's, like it's like if Pokemon decided they were going to show you what Diglett looked like under the mm -hmm. hole. No, for uh, sure. Later <laughs> on, there's a... a side quest where you have to pull one out and have Scrapper carry him into the sky and I'm like wait are they gonna like show that like they oh they modeled his whole body weird <laughs> yeah it's kind of fucked up but uh but yeah no they get they, they are like moles so I guess it makes sense for them to have bottom halves but it's just it's it's funny after like half the game of not really seeing that <laughs> yeah um so the boss for this to get to like the last portion of the dungeon you have to do this like truth drop <laughs> where you they, they give you a hint where they're like you have to you have to jump off this cliff and just know that you just have to have faith that a platform will materialize beneath you if you jump off on the correct side and uh so you jump off on one side of the platform that looks like you're just gonna you know dive into a bunch of lava but then a platform materializes down there and uh then you get to battle Girahim for the second time when you get there, when you get to the very end of the dungeon. I feel like this is the Girahim battle I have the most trouble with in the game. Huh. It's not that hard. It's just like, he, the, you have to be very precise with your sword movements. He loves to just grab your sword and just kind of whittle your health down if you're not hitting him the right way. Um, how did you find this one? Um... This one didn't really, uh, I, like, I don't know. I'd say this is my favorite one until the next one. <laughs> like, okay. all the Gearhim fights were just kind of, um, like, similarly good to me. I guess this one I liked a lot largely because they put castanets in the music. There's just like a... Oh, it's good. If you want to make any boss fight feel more saucy, you just put castanets over it. Yeah, it, it, it works. The other main difference is Girahim is starting to get a little bit like, he's got sort of a skin thing going on now. Like he's starting to turn partially metallic, which is maybe foreshadowing mm. for later. Mm, very true. Yeah. Because yeah, he, he does look, um, he's shiny. <laughs> yeah, he's getting more shiny. Yeah. I do kind of like that the Girahim battles are just like, like this is just, Bowser in the fire world, and then it's like Bowser in the dark world, Bowser in the sky. Yeah. Like it just feels like it, it is. <laughs> anytime there's three boss battles and the middle one's in a fire world, I'm like, oh, it's just like Bowser. Except he's twinkier than Bowser for sure. Yeah, there's a couple uh, things that you have to do three times in this game. <laughs> and the next one is what we're going to is the imprisoned fights. <sighs> I 
don't dislike the imprisoned. Be- I mean, he's literally my cat Nanu. He's large. He wiggles. He's got toes. <laughs> like it, they're okay. they're the same. Yeah. No, I agree. The pr- the imprisoned himself, like as a creature, love him. Yeah. Well, the second imprisoned fight introduces Groose into the mix. The first time you just fight him by itself. And the first time you fight him, I think he only has toes. He has no arms. He has no tail. The second Mm. time you fight him, suddenly he's grown arms and a tail. Yeah. And that's fine. Groose, well, because he has arms, he can now climb the cliffs because he's at the bottom of this big spiral. Now he can climb the cliffs. And Groose's job is he's going to fire bombs at him, (laughs) which make the imprisoned Mm. fall over and you can hit him. At at this point, I don't, I, I still think the imprisoned is really fun at this point. The reason why I don't really like what they did with the imprisoned is because the second and third imprisoned battle are like way too back to back in the plot. It's like yeah. it's like the next time you come back to the the Farron region, you have to fight him again. It's so mm-hmm. close together. It's not very well paced. No, I get it. Like they they keep the third one doesn't really add a lot. They keep escalating the ways in which he can get out faster, which is like good. Like he goes from climbing a little bit to like wriggling like a snake really fast yeah and then at the end of the third fight he just straight up starts flying like like he manifests like this demonic halo above him just like starts floating into the air like a puppet i'm like that's great but it is kind of the only thing that's different from the second and third fights well and that and the fact that gruce runs out of bombs so gruce cannot just throw a bomb at at the imprisoned at this point, he has to, you have to get all the way back up to the sealed grounds, and then you have to climb into the catapult, and Groose throws you onto the imprisoned's head instead of a bomb. Right. <laughs> you have to, like, stand on top of him and thrust the thing on his head back into him. Yeah, just just for, like, the very last hits. And yeah. I think, uh, like, if they had just taken that part and put it at the end of the second fight and cut the third fight entirely, people would probably remember it more fondly. Yeah, no, for sure, because, like, they're they're just such similar fights. There's not really anything that exciting about it. It's just like, oh, something awakened this beast, and he's trying to escape and, you know, kill everybody, and it's like, okay, well, it never really seems that threatening, to be honest. I, I think he's he's just so silly, like... I know he it's like a bear it's like you see a bear and you're like are you sure I can't hug him no yeah he seems nice (laughs) he's a great bitey boy I love his skin I love the first time he's actually like one of the first things you see in the game and like the like scary opening cutscene. but then the first time you see him stand up out of the hole and the camera like pans down and shows his stupid stumpy legs it's great arms at first like he comes out of the hole looking like a homestuck character it's like he has to equip his arms to fight you like it's so silly and yet he's like i mean spoilers he's like the main villain of the game because (laughs) this is is demise before he gets his body back i was gonna say human body but he's very clearly not a human but yeah (laughs) yeah i want to know if they designed that character with the intent of making it the final boss of the game or just like designed it first then later on we're like this guy's great let's let's make that actually the final boss inside <laughs> yeah well i f- so 
I think they designed Demise wanting it to have elements of Ganondorf for sure. Like there's definitely a lot of similarities with how he looks in terms of, you know, being very, very close to Ganondorf's design. But then he has that like scaly, he, you can tell that he's kind of like the same as the Imprisoned because he has the same like black shiny scales on his arms and stuff. True, yeah. Um, but yeah, they could have totally added that in later to if, they, if they'd already been like, this worm, okay, we got to put this worm in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He's just great. He reminds me of the Garfield character that's like an egg with just two feet sticking out. That's what the shape yeah, reminds me of. Basically, and that makes sense because we literally call Nanu an egg all the time, and the imprisoned is just my cat Nanu. So yeah. it completely checks out. They're both eggs. And the imprisoned is just like an egg for evil. Exactly. And because he's the first because he's the first of all of the Ganondorf lore the i guess we haven't really explained that yet because they we're getting to the point in the plot where they finally kind of explain what the fuck is going on like why did zelda get taken down to the surface to do all this stuff and i guess this is where we find out that zelda is the goddess reborn like hylia who created everything who created the other goddesses um she put her, I guess, her, like, soul into a mortal body who happens to be Zelda. So Zelda is the goddess reborn. Link is obviously the chosen hero. And then Demise, who we're only really just learning about by the end of the game, is, like, the ultimate evil form. And we find out eventually that Demise has basically made up this curse that this cycle will keep repeating itself. Basically, he will continue to get reborn in like a new generation and there will always be a chosen hero and there will always be the goddess reborn. And that's why we get Ganondorf coming back like resurrected and he he's the same villain, the same hero in like all these games over and over again. Um, so that's why he looks so much like Ganondorf in a lot of ways. But they decided mm -hmm. to just call him Demise instead, because I guess that's cooler. Yeah. This is also the part where uh, Zelda gets put inside the amber from Jurassic Park and sealed yeah. away in the past for the, she's the gonna back become, half of the game. Yeah. When you, when you find her in the future, she's going to be an Aerodactyl. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, um, this is, this is a really nice part of the game because she explains the whole Hylia thing to Link and she says like, you know, a long time ago I was Hylia and I sealed Demise away into that thing and that's what keeps coming up. It's like, that is the great evil I sealed away. So I, there's like this portal to the past in the sealed temple and so you meet Zelda in the past there where she explains all this to you. And she basically says, I need to wait here and keep him sealed until the present day. So she basically goes to sleep in this amber thing for like generations, like an era. And the, while she's explaining this to you, Zelda's lullaby is playing. And it is one of my favorite versions of Zelda, Zelda's lullaby. But I do just like that this is possibly the only Zelda game where Zelda's lullaby is playing as she's about to go into like a deep sleep of some kind. Mm -hmm. 
I thought that was kind of just like a cool touch that, that they do here. Um, but it's kind of like a sad moment because Link's all, you know, oh no, you're going to be sealed away for years, for like thousands of years. Yeah. Um, it's definitely emotional because you're like following her for like the whole game up to that point. Although, yeah. you know, I can kind of see it coming just because it's a Zelda game. And they always seem to find some way to like put her in a basement or like even when she's not kidnapped. Yeah, there's a lot of Z- there's a lot of Zelda games where she gets put into like some kind of crystal or something. Like she's just like she's just you know wrapped mm-hmm. was, in a cube. I was a little bit fuzzy on the time travel details of like how her staying there would like affect demise in the present. But my main question is, um, mm-hmm. since you Stephanie have written a whole PowerPoint before about time travel types <laughs> in media, which uh-huh. type is Skyward Sword? Okay, so um, Skyward Sword is very much a, a time travel type where you can go to the past and change things in the future. So mm-hmm. there's a part where you I think your term to... was like I think your term was like dynamic, and the other one is static. Oh God, maybe. yeah, that sounds about right. I have I do have a whole PowerPoint about time travel in TV shows and which TV <laughs> shows need a time travel element to be better. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a dynamic one where when you go back in time, if you make a change, something else will change in the present. However, it, like, it, it, you're going back so far in the past in both the Lanayru era where you're using the time shift stones and in the part where you go through the like big gear that takes you back to the sealed grounds past. Um, You'd think more things would change. Like, you'd think there'd be a little bit of some kind of butterfly effect. But the reason I know that it's a dynamic one where you can go to the past, change something, and then in the future it becomes different is because there's, like, a part of this game where you have to... you the In order to bring the sand dragon, the Lanayru dragon, uh, back to life, you have to grow a plant for him, and it won't grow in the Lanayru region, so you have to bring it to the past in the sealed temple, and you have to plant it, and then go back to the present, and then suddenly there's a tree there that wasn't there before. So, you can very much influence the present by changing things in the past in this game. And I think that tends to be generally how the Zelda game handles time travel. Like, I'm thinking... Oracle of Ages, Ocarina of Time. Uh, if you were to change something, like I'm thinking, like in Ocarina of Time, like if you teach the um, the Song of Storms to the guy in the windmill, and then you see him again as an adult. He's gonna he's gonna be pissed off forever <laughs> as an adult. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Zelda's gone wrapped in plastic uh we go back to the present because we have some more business to attend to uh at this point what we're basically told is we need to find the triforce and so this is one of the few zelda games where you actually collect the triforce as an item um most zelda games you know never actually get the triforce you just talk about the triforce um but they basically tell you okay you need to get a new song like you already collected these other three songs to for these other regions now you need to get this new song uh to find the triforce uh the song when you when you do the next silent realm because there's a fourth silent realm and when you do this one the reward isn't that you get 
the Triforce, but you get it in the subsequent dungeon that you do after it. Um, but before getting to this Silent Realm, you have to do a whole bunch of crap that, as you put it, was probably just filler and padding to make the game longer. Um, at least well, this is what I'm assuming you were talking about. Yeah. Well, I know people would probably say that. It's yeah. an interesting part of the game when you're collecting the Song of the Hero parts, because like it is non-linear like, for a change. You could go to any of the three major areas. Um, and so, I don't know, we could, like, I think they're all worth talking about. We could tackle them in any order. For sure, yeah. I think the first one I went to was the Farron region, and that's probably why I found that their the, the oh, imprisoned yeah. battles were so close together was because... Yeah, that's you like back-to-back. Back. It's back-to-back, because back, as soon as you go, it's there. So when you go back to the Farron region... Uh, you find that the entire thing has been flooded. So after you beat the Imprisoned for the third time, uh, Granny, <laughs> as we call her, uh, Granny is like, yeah, I sealed the gate so you can't just, you know, walk in. And Groose is like, well, I got a catapult. So that's our solution. I'm just going to fucking shoot you into the <laughs> into the woods. Um so you get catapulted into the flooded Farron Woods region. And, and and Link couldn't fly his bird there for some reason. Yeah, no, he for some reason you're not able to do that. I it would make your life so much easier in both this and the Elden region one if you could just land where you wanted to but no you can't so um, but yeah in this case so you're in it and you have to basically figure you have to go under the tree that's in the middle of the region and the water dragon tells you yeah I'll give you the song but you're gonna have to solve my little my little test first and I'm gonna I'm gonna take all the notes from this funny little song and instead of just giving them to you I'm gonna scatter them around the flooded woods and you're gonna have to swim around and recover all of the notes and it's like really (laughs) really can you just give them to me um i don't think i think most people don't like swimming in video games very much it kind of sucks well this game isn't really an exception yeah like the thing that i think is really objectionable about this isn't so much that like you have to collect pages or whatever. Like, I know you like Banjo-Kazooie. And, yeah. um, like, the flooded woods is, like, it looks great. It's, like, a cool idea to flood an area yeah. game, an early game area like that. It really is just that the swimming controls specifically in this game suck ass. Yeah, because you can't just use the the stick on your Joy-Con to control. You literally have to, like, if you want to go up or down, you have to tilt the Joy-Con up or down to decide where you want to go. And the other thing that's annoying about this with the tad tones that you're collecting is that they will come in groups often. Like some of them are single ones by themselves, but quite often it will be a group of four or a group of like eight. And you have to collect them all together. If you miss one in the sequence after a certain number, like you you only have a certain amount of time once you've gotten one to the next one. If you miss one, they'll all just fly away and you have to start collecting them again from from the beginning of that set. Mm-hmm. So it's like you'll you'll be following them and trying to collect eight. If you miss the sixth one, it's like, great, now I have to go all the way back and start again. Um, and they're not that hard to do, but it is very much like there's got to be like 30 notes you're collecting here. Like, 
it, it is a little bit annoying. Mm-hmm. The, um, yeah, it's just like, they might as well have put like Link running around on gyro controls. Like, oh, you tilt forward for him to run. Like, it makes no sense, really, for swimming. And it people really say the doesn't. same thing. Some reviews were complaining about, like, the bird flight controls. And they would even say, like, the motion controls are all great, but you should turn them off and go to button controls for the bird flight. And, like, that I totally disagree with. I think bird flight feels great in this game. And it makes sense for, like, something that's soaring through thin air to, like, for, to care about like pitch and yaw and stuff and attach that to gyro yeah. controls but swimming is like the exact opposite of that like if you know yeah. how to swim at all you, like it has to be so intentional which way you're orienting your body like in order to turn in any direction you have to push water with your limbs in the other direction mm-hmm. and it's just like i think swimming in games they kind of just got it right on the first try with like Mario 64 and it really didn't need to be innovated after that. It really didn't. Like they didn't need to change it at all. Like there's one of the things I like about a lot of Zelda games is most of them don't involve swimming. Like like Majora's Mask there is some swimming. I could maybe complain about it a little bit. But most other Zelda games don't really have a swimming aspect, and I really appreciate it. And I actually really like water dungeons. Like, I know most people hate water temples or, like, water... Like, any dungeon that involves changing water levels and stuff, I actually really love that shit. Um, Yeah. But I don't like the swimming aspect of it. The the actual swimming controls are pretty much always dog shit. Yeah, I I don't know. They they definitely could have been better. I kind of wish there was swimming and more swimming in Breath of the Wild, actually. But um, in this game, like, so I would maybe recommend turning motion controls off and going just to the analog stick uh, for swimming in Skyward Sword HD. The only, but uh, as always, there's like this trade-off because in order to do the spin dash, which you have to do like constantly to get the tad tones. instead of it being mapped to any of the unused face buttons when Link is swimming, which would have been sensible, it's mapped to pressing in the left stick, which you're already using to steer. And I don't know about anyone else, but I just like hate that button. It feels like you're stabbing your Joy-Con to death. Yeah, I don't really like having to do that. Yeah, I... I I do also feel like I was constantly doing the wrong motion in order to do the spin attack, though, with the motion controls. Like, I think you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to kind of jostle one of the controls, but I think I would always do the wrong one (laughs) so that I wouldn't end up going forward. I always was just, you don't do it enough to really remember it. So, I don't know. This part, I think this is the... I don't know if this is the worst of the three. I, I really don't love the Elden one either. The Lanera one yeah. is great. But... Yeah, well, let's let's get into the Elden one as well. Okay. This I can't really get a sense of, um, like, I guess people generally don't like it when Link is disarmed in games and, like, has to sneak around. Although there was that um, Eventide Island on, in Breath of the Wild that people yeah. liked. And I, I didn't we... mind um, yeah. Forsaken Fortress and Wind Waker. Like, I think that's a good story event and a good dungeon but yeah in this one it's kind of mixed opinions (laughs) yeah in this one you're kind of just locked into it all of a sudden like i was just going to the mountain region to vibe basically like i was going to get a new crystal ball for my friend the fortune teller but then like oh the oh the volcano explodes so you're locked into this stealth quest like oh whittle volcano exploded so link has to get captured and lose all his items 
Yeah, and I... Uh, there's a lot... There's a few Zelda games that do this to you, and I honestly... I really like the Eventide Island one in, in Breath of the Wild, partly because, kind of like what you hinted at, you can choose to go there. You yeah. are not... It's not part of the story. It's something you can do to get to one of the shrine. Like, I mean, it basically is the shrine puzzle itself. And it, it does take a while to do, but it requires you to be clever about how you solve the puzzle. And there's like a million ways you could do it. You could mm -hmm. get any of the things in any order. It, like, it's, and, it's and a the Wind lot Waker more free. Yeah, and the Wind Waker one too is like very telegraphed and like Link is literally getting shot out of a cannon again. So you figure yeah. like this might not end well for him. Yeah, I don't love the Wind Waker one either. I feel like they put it in a lot of my favorite Zelda games. Like Skyward Sword, one of my favorite Zeldas. Wind Waker, one of my favorite Zeldas. Breath of the Wild is kind of like a middling one for me. I do love it. But um, the other one, there's another Zelda game that does this, which is Oracle of Ages. There's a part in Oracle of Ages where you get stranded on an island and all these lizard creatures take all of your items and you have to get them all back like one by one by one. And it's probably my least favorite part of the whole game. <laughs> like overall, it's still one of my favorite Zeldas, but I just, I don't like these quests where you lose all your items. And I think Skyward Sword probably does it the worst out of all of them. Yeah, <laughs> of, Like fair. all five of these. Because... It's so linear. It's like, okay, you, there's only a couple items you can recover first, and you use those items to progress to the next area, and whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I do like... The, one thing I really like about Skyward Sword that kind of comes up here is that this game does not let you stop using certain items. Like, a lot of Zelda games, you'll do a dungeon, you'll have to use one item for the entire dungeon, and then you never use that item again for the rest of the game. Skyward Sword does a good job of making that not a problem. You will continue to use the whip and the beetle and, like, the claw shots the whole game. And they yeah. make use of that here, but it's Yeah, annoying. the slingshot. Yeah. I will also say there's a Link starts out being in jail, and I appreciate how seemingly every 3D Zelda game puts Link in jail at some point and makes him break they out. Do. The message they're yeah. sending is that jailbreaks are always good and moral. They're always good and moral and also fun to do. <laughs> I yeah, they, they put him in jail and it's like the worst jail. I mean I know Bacoplins are stupid, but it's just such a bad jail. You get out so easily. The other thing I don't like about it is that there's a stealth element, which I guess the Forsaken Fortress also has a stealth element to it as well. I don't love that in mm. in Wind Waker either, but they're so stupid that I've played this game three times. I'm not that good at stealth puzzles or stealth anything. And I've never once been caught by any of the Bacoblins ever. <laughs> so wow. I don't know. It's not it's not challenging, which isn't a complaint. Like I don't want it to be a challenging stealth game. It's just I don't know. I, I just feel like they could have done something different. I didn't love it. Yeah, the reusing areas in this game overall, like I think it feels extra bad because like you're not only going back to this these areas and like having them rearranged and stuff the one time but also you were already doing it for the silent realms like that's already what the silent silent realms were and so yeah. in that sense you're like going to elden for the third time and going like across the same geometry for a third time mm -hmm. um 
so it sticks out extra bad in that way. They should have, like, if that was done to kind of pad out the gameplay time, like, just let games be short. Short games are good. Yeah, the games don't have to be super long. Like, you can just have more collectibles and stuff. Like, I'm just thinking Majora's Mask only has four dungeons, but a million side quests, and that's one of the best Zelda games. And it's still a 3D Zelda game. It's not like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's one of the shorter Zelda games because there's so much stuff you can do in it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I, I, they need, yeah, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was gonna move on to the Lineru Oh yeah, one. no. Yeah, the Lineru one, this is the only one I actually like. Yeah, Enjoy. this is the one that actually adds a new area in the Lineru Gorge. Yes. Like, as usual, whatever team that they handed off all the desert stuff to, they just, like, knocked it out of the park and, like, probably all got promotions. <laughs> and it was yeah. the rest of the game. It's the best region. It's so good. I just, it's so funny to me that you, you meet the first two dragons, you know, both dragons give you their songs, and then when you get to this dragon, if you did this one last, like I did this one last, and it's just Same so enough. funny getting there and seeing this pile of bones on the ground. Yeah, he's a skelly. <laughs> yeah, like he's just, he's, he died. Like the dragon's not even <laughs> immortal. He literally died at some point. And, yeah, uh, I, I love yeah. that. I love that reveal. And it was really unexpected because like, I don't know, the dragons kind of are implied to be immortal, but it's just like, no, he got sick or whatever. <laughs> Rip. Yeah, he, he dies. And, and basically you have to go through this whole like quest to bring a time shift stone back into that area in order to go back to the past when he was still alive. Mm -hmm. And well, you, you don't only have to do that. You have to do that to make him alive again. But then you also have to do the thing I mentioned before where you grow him a tree and bring him because the, the you have to bring him this like berry or something that's going to heal him and make him no longer dying anymore. Um, but it's overall easily the best of the three quests they make you do to get the dragon songs. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, just going up to his skull at first, like I can't get over it. Like having it have his name over it, Lineru, and he just says an ellipse. He's just dot, dot, dot. Just dot, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, have you... you do kind of have yeah. to do a fetch quest with the fruit seed, but like I was invested. I didn't mind that part. Yeah, I was fine with that. I was like, this is cool because I'm going somewhere I haven't been before. They make you, they gave you like a little hint very soon before where Groose is like, oh, like we could grow a tree here really easily. That's true. And they tell you, you couldn't grow a tree. You couldn't grow this tree in the Lineru region. So it's like, okay, now I have to remember where to go. Um, I, I liked that aspect of it. And I like I like using the time travel in two different regions for the same quest. So not just using the Lineru time travel, but also using the um, the gate of time or whatever it's called, using that as the uh, as the time travel method. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this one was cool. Did you interact with Lineru at all after this? Like, have you done any of the other things that he will oh, let right, you do? Because he lets you replay the bosses and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really feel the need. Um, yeah. Honestly, this game already kind of repeats a couple of the bosses. 
It does. So the only real reason to do this is because it gets you the Hylian shield. And um. I honestly don't use the shield enough to really care about it. But I, 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 the first two times I played this game, I 100%ed it. So I basically was like, okay, well, I guess I have to do this to get the Hylian shield. But that is how you get it. You have to basically beat... I can't remember if it's like you have to beat all the bosses without dying or something like that. Uh, there, it's some kind of quest like that, but it, it, I guess it's kind of worth it because it's like an indestructible shield and it's like the best shield you get in the game, but that's about it. Yeah, I did not know that was in the game. And so I just yep. went through the rest of it with the like purpley shield that has a bird foot on it and it seemed yep. fine, you know. Yeah, no, I, I finished the game with it in this case, too. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I beat the game in both my other cases without getting the Hylian Shield, too, and I just went back and did it later. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not that hard to do, but it's it does kind of feel like not the most amazing reward for putting in a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that he gives you the last song, which lets you open the last Silent Realm. Mm-hmm. Which, did you have any feeling that there was going to be a fourth Silent Realm after you finished the third one? Uh, I think I might have been spoiled on it. But Ah, honestly, this ended up being my favorite of the Silent Realms. Just because, like, you're already so familiar with Skyloft. And so it's not like, you're kind of just like, this is my backyard. Like, you can't trick me here. I know exactly where to go. Yeah, no, I I really like this one because it feels like the region... It's not as big of a region as like the entire volcano. And there are a couple that are tricky to get. I found I did get chased around a couple times, but um, it's my favorite one too. I I think it's kind of fun. I just, the, the fact that they make you do it in a place where you've spent the entire game, like not having to ever think about being chased by monsters. Yeah. (laughs) I like that aspect of it. Yeah, did you want to talk about some of the uh, the NPCs up here before we get into the last dungeon? Yeah, I was hoping to revisit some of them. Um, so with Beatrice, uh-huh. I wound up having Link reject Beatrice. I'm sorry to say. Uh, oh, that's okay. I I wound up seeing like both the ends of that quest line, and I just feel like when you say yes to Beatrice, she becomes like a whole other character, and she like starts, mm. you know, like. I don't know, being kind of cringy and like standing up and smiling at her job. Like, who are you? Whereas yeah. if you if you reject her, she like gets to keep being her laconic self. And she's actually like really mature about the whole thing. She yeah. says like, I'm strong. I'll get over you. Please just leave me alone in the cold right now. And then when you, yeah. you can talk to her the very next day and she's like, uh, I thought long and hard about it and I'm completely over it now. Like, <laughs> so and, true. Good for you, Beatrice. <laughs> yeah. Or, and like, do you have something to deposit with me, the woman who got over her broken heart and is getting prettier by the day? Yeah. Well, no, she rules. It's and like it's I, like, 
I wish I had a uh, I wish I had a role model like Beatrice when I was like a teen. She's handling rejection better than like I ever have. She's so good, and it's like I don't want to mislead her. Like I don't really care about like Zelda Link together as like in a romance sense. Like I know there's a lot of people who love Skyward Sword for that reason. Not not that they like get together and kiss at the end or something, but like I don't know. Like just they're very close in this game, so it's one of the better like Zelda Link relationships in any of the games. I don't really give a shit about that, like whatever. But um but it just it does feel just like I'm leading her on if I say yes to her, which yeah. I don't want to do. And then I did the whole Lumpy Pumpkin uh quest uh-huh. series, which I had okay. not touched at all like in the first half of my playthrough because in order to really start it, you have to knock down that chandelier. And there's like signs all over the place saying like don't shake the walls don't try to knock down the chandelier basically just like trying to do reverse psychology on the player and it worked and it didn't work on me i'm like no i'm a goody two-shoes i'm not gonna knock oh, that it down. worked on me i was like i gotta <laughs> knock that i gotta knock it over right away and then you <laughs> and do it so and I... it like almost kills an old man it lands like yeah. right at the table he sits at but eh, he's fine but yeah <laughs> Then you, then it really opens up, and I love uh, Pumpkin Landing. The the vibes of that place are just immaculate. Yeah, it's good. That one's good. And then Batro, he's so. Last time we talked about how you get gratitude crystals from him by helping other people out. So did you complete all of his? Did you do all the gratitude crystals? I did. I end up using a guide to get like the last couple, um, mm-hmm. just because like one of them involves getting a magma who's like on a random pillar in Elden Volcano that I would never find. And then you also, you do literally have to get every single one of the overworld ones, huh? In order to have Betrothed. Yeah. Um, And some of them are in random places and like the rafters of the training room at night, Mm -hmm. which you would never go to. Yeah, no, it's tricky. I I definitely use some kind of guide when I did it. Like I didn't do it this playthrough, but I I have completed it before to get the whole, to 100% the game. And yeah, it's it, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm not gonna fuck around here and like just look for them all. It's gonna take me way too long. Mm-hmm. I just um, wanted to see Betro turn human. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. I kind of like him as a monster, but it's fine. He deserves it. He wanted to be human. I mean, he's still like very clearly a monster. It's like <laughs> yeah. the joke. Would... That's um, true. <laughs> what something this game was missing is. A post-game scene or like a credit scene where Betro is human if you got him human and like hanging out with the other with the ah, other Skylofians because like that's all I wanted for him. Ah, oh, that would have been so nice. He's just like the gay uncle of Skyloft. He like wrings his <laughs> hands and wears a scarf and is just like really non-threatening and he lives in like oh. a closet. <laughs> I love this for him, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, I wanted to see him like interact with people. Like, he kind of just turns human, and then that's it. But oh well, at least at least he gets what he wanted. Maybe there's. I'm just imagining that after the events of the game finish, that he finally comes up, and everyone's like, "Who the fuck are you? We know everyone who lives on this <laughs> island. True. What the fuck?" <laughs> but the little girl's dad, though, Kukil's dad, he's like the handyman. He's the most mm-hmm. chill guy on earth. She goes missing earlier, and he's like, "Ah, eh, she'll turn up." Yeah. So, like, what the fuck? He, like, he would absolutely be down with Petra. Yeah, like. You're- 
your dude, your daughter, like, if you didn't know there was a guy who was hanging out with her, my first assumption would have been that she fell off the <laughs> yeah. rock and landed on the surface. Like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> She'll turn up. What do you mean? Are you? But yeah, no, she <laughs> she was just vibing with the monster, and mm-hmm. I I respect that. Anyway, Kukil calls them gratitude crackles. Love so that's that. what I've been calling them in my head the whole time. Are, are they supposed? Is it like on purpose that they're just exactly the things from Mario Sunshine? Uh, I have no idea because I haven't played Mario Sunshine, but I really hope that they are. Yeah, I'm pretty. I've seen it, and I'm pretty sure the star bits in that are just exactly these. It's kind of a funny concept. I don't mind it being so like, it's almost like lampshade hanging collectibles in video games. It's just like, no, they're congealed gratitude. They're they're like a physical manifestation of their happiness, I guess. Like, all right, sure. Um, We have one more dungeon left Mm -hmm. in this game. And this one, I think, is my favorite dungeon in the whole game. We have Sky Keep. So after you finish the last Silent Realm, you get this like, I don't know, it's like a gem. It's like this red octagonal type thing. And you have to figure out what to do with it. And of course, if you've been kind of noticing the whole game that there's this funny little bird statue that's missing an eye on Skyloft, you'll probably go, oh, sick. I'm just going to go there and put it in. Uh, so you put it into the, the other eye slot. And then we get this sick cutscene where the bird just like fires these things into the air that they're the things you're going to get to the sky keep with with like your hook shot and the whole bottom of the goddess statue comes down and reveals that there's this entire other part of it that you can go into and it's like are you kidding me the last dungeon's just going to be in the sky all right mm-hmm. um so that it just starts off really good before you even get inside yeah, it's like really good comic timing in that cutscene yeah. cuz like first it opens up and does nothing and then it like shoots just a straight up cannonball at the island that bounces off and does nothing. And yeah. then the island like falls apart all at once. It's like <laughs> very funny on purpose. It's very good. And uh so the central premise of Skykeep is that you can move the rooms around. So you walk into the dungeon and you'll see that there's this like tablet in front of you. You get the dungeon map, then there's this like thing that you can go up and you can move the pieces of the dungeon around so that you can change which rooms are accessible to you. And after you like click A or whatever to set it, you'll just feel the vibration of all the rooms moving around. And there's a few of these tablets throughout the dungeon, so you can move them around from different places. And in order to correctly navigate the whole thing, you basically have to, like, the the dungeon itself is the puzzle. You have to move it correctly and collect all three pieces of the Triforce from the different rooms. Um, And you can do this in a lot of different orders. Like, which, do you know which ones you did first? Like, I think Um, I got the... I think I got Ferrars first, but I can't remember. Yeah, all I remember is that I, I mean, it seems like there's probably multiple solutions to this dungeon, which I appreciated. I wound up getting the starting room into like the lower, one of the lower left corners or one of the lower corners. And then at that point, you can kind of just move the rest around like whichever way you want. But the tricky part... Yeah, the tricky part is like getting to one of those other control panels first and then figuring out you could do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is honestly. How you can move them. Yeah. This is honestly a part of the game where like. I, I don't know. I don't know if I just don't like sliding block puzzles, but if I were like a younger gamer coming to this, I feel like I might have had to ask someone for help with this. Yeah, no, this is definitely... It's tricky because there are so many ways that you can solve this. There's so many ways... Like, I'm sure there's an optimal way. I'm sure if you look up a guide, they'll tell you like the optimal way to go to each room so that you have to do like the fewest number of movements and everything which I absolutely did not do I was just I was just trial and erroring it and uh, there was actually one room that I never ended up using it's like one of the kind of fire themed rooms because the rooms would have different themes like some of them would be more like foresty some would be more like the robot like desert style and some would be like the Elden style um, one of the fire ones I just never used. I walked into it, I couldn't go anywhere, um, and then I just left, and I never went back into it again. So, huh. yeah, multiple yeah. ways that you can that you can solve this. Yeah, which probably makes it easier to not get stuck, but I don't know, I'm sure there's also a way that you could just make the same moves over and over without realizing it and not make progress. Oh, for sure. I would get really frustrated if I couldn't figure, if like if I was getting stuck and couldn't figure it out. And I do, the thing is I do like getting frustrated at puzzles because I like it when a puzzle really makes me have to try different things over and over again. Yeah. Um, the, I do like sliding block puzzles, so that does help in my favor. But I, I just like that no other Zelda dungeon has really done this before, where making the actual rooms connect to each other differently is part of the puzzle of actually solving the dungeon. Like, I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you have to, like each, the rooms themselves have their own puzzles and things you have to do too. So it's not just that moving the rooms around is the puzzle. There's not really a final boss to this dungeon. like. One of the Triforce pieces requires you to do kind of three mini boss rooms back to back, which is really annoying. Mm -hmm. But the other two are more just like puzzles, like the the uh, Din and Nehru ones are a little bit better. But th the one where you get the Furor Triforce piece is just the last, I think it's the last room where you have to fight, or like the second last room where you have to fight enemies, there's guys shooting arrows at you while there's like Stalfos guys walking around trying to swing at you, and the arrows do so much damage, and I uh, I was beginning to get really frustrated with that one. I know I've died there in past playthroughs of the game before. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, after this dungeon, there is like a big kind of a fake-out ending cutscene where we finally get Zelda out of her chamber and like everyone's happy and like holding hands and stuff but you can kind of tell like this isn't the end of the game because there wasn't a final boss in that dungeon <laughs> yeah we haven't battled a boss yet so it can't be over uh and you know girahim has start has been hinting that he's not the big bad and he kind of is just like all right time to complete my ritual because he's basically stolen Zelda after you finish collecting the Triforce he's like all right I've taken her and I'm taking her to the bottom of the um the pit in the past in the present the sky keep has like descended from the sky into the hole in the ground by the sealed temple so like instead of being a big spiral in the ground it's just like they plugged the hole mm -hmm. Um, but in the past, he's, he's taking her down to the bottom there to do a funny ritual to, like, resurrect his master. Um, and in, in order to get there, 
you have to battle his horde of bokoblins and all kinds of enemies. Uh, they're very annoying, but at least they draw parts along the way, I guess. Um, yeah. The horde battle is just so annoying. I was really worried I was going to have to do the horde battle a second time after I lost to Gearheim the first time, and mm. thankfully they didn't make me do that. Yeah, maybe like if you're a Hyrule's Warrior fan, you would like this part more. Hyrule, sorry, Hyrule Warriors fan pejorative. <laughs> yeah, like... But the most annoying I, part is yeah. the, um, there's the Coblins that carry a horn with them, and they go like, brr, and they will do that infinitely, I think, and keep summoning more guys. And when yeah. you figure that out and go to hit them, they run away from you. And that like yeah. makes my blood boil. <laughs> you're it's supposed so to be a st- you're supposed to be a stupid bokoblin. Just like stand still and get hit. Yeah, and then there's like there's a point where you get close to the bottom, and there's like one blue one out of the crowd of red ones, and the blue one will like run behind the gate. So like there's a gate blocking you off so that you can't go further, and he will just run beyond it and start throwing stuff at you from beyond it. And I'm just like, dude. And he'll charge at you, too. It's rude. But, but yeah, like, I don't hate it. It's fine. I do like to just go in and slice guys up. Like, it's why I like playing Hades. I like to just hit buttons and explode guys. True. But, your, your sword is really strong at this point, too. Yeah, because you've basically... I mean, I guess we never mentioned it, but every time you beat one of the dungeons in the back half of the game, it, it like purifies and powers up your sword so by the time you beat the fire sanctuary you have the master sword now like you've created the master sword from purifying it in the fires or whatever and uh so yeah your sword is strong it's just really annoying like you basically run until they put the gate up again and then just kill a bunch of enemies until they stop spawning and then eventually they let you get to gear him and you get to to finally try to destroy him for the last time Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Skirahim fight. It's, uh, yeah. like you said, they get better. And I, this one is, I think, the best one. Mm-hmm. Well, we get the big reveal, which is that Skirahim, in fact, was a sword the whole time. Yes, he's basically the same as Fi. They're like the same, I don't want to say species, but they're both, they're like opposing swords. Like he's Demise's sword which is way fucking cooler than the Master Sword. Like, Mm -hmm. come on. The Master Sword is cool, but it's like... Demise's sword just has, like, spikes on it and stuff, and it's black, and it's huge, and plus it's Gearheim, who's, no offense to Fi, but, like, cooler than her. So, yeah, he... You fight him, and he actually has his own sword, too. So he becomes very metallic at this point. Like, instead of being standard Girahim, after he does his little dance around Zelda's body, he, like, <laughs> becomes black and silver and very hard looking. And he looks like he's, like, swole now. He, he didn't is. have muscles before, but now he's got muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a cool um, fight where you have to knock him down from, like, one layer of his tower onto the next and then do... Yeah the finishing strike which i'm glad that the game reminded me of and like put me through the paces on it because like you do have to use it on the final boss and i like hadn't been using it the whole game basically oh i use it well i only really use it when the game kind of prompts you to like if there's an arrow over a bokoblin and he's gonna get up otherwise i would use it then but yeah you have to basically knock him off and then penetrate him that sounded weird but you have to well, like no i mean you're literally the, you have to do the thrusting are. motion to hit him in his hole yeah over the hole yeah, like, exactly the hole is in his chest but you know 
but still, whatever, it's still a hole is a hole is a hole. Um, Girahim should have been more like he was in the first two battles, like personality-wise here, though. Like, he should have been, like, taunting you to hit him in his hole, like mm. he was in the first two, where he was, like, sticking his tongue out and shit. Like, he should have been doing that. <laughs> but I'll still accept it. It's still a good battle. Yeah. Um, but then he whips out his own sword once you get him to the ground, and he's like... His sword is huge. You have to hit it like a certain number of times in the direction, like perpendicular to it. And if you don't hit it enough times, he just snaps his fingers and regenerates the sword. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the final two bosses in this game are both kind of just sword fights against muscly guys, <laughs> which yeah. I wasn't super jazzed with, but I, I get it. Like if they made this whole um, sword play gameplay mechanic, like you might as well end the game on it. Yeah, no, I I get it for sure. And like they do, the Girahim fight does have you do the classic, not just like sword fighting, but the classic um, volleyball or like tennis of he shoots a he shoots like a beam at you and you have to tennis it back to him and like you're rallying and then eventually you win the rally and he's like injured and you have to go up and hit him so i do kind of like that some of it is not just going up and swinging at him from the right direction some of it is just standing from far away and and trying not to get hit that's interesting i don't think he actually did that against me really he did that Maybe he does that to, to me s- when we were on the ground. If you so, I guess it depends on if you stand really close to him and yeah, slash where him, you're he standing. doesn't do it. If you stand really far away, he'll shoot like a. It's not like a beam. It's kind of like a frisbee that can either be horizontal or vertical, and you have to hit it back to back and forth with him. And then that was how I was able to hit him because I was just I was not hitting him from the right directions. If I was close range, I had to get him to to fall over. Huh. Yeah, I was just too eager to thrust at him, I guess. I was getting right up on him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't blame you. It's gear him, so... Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> yeah, good character. I, I see what character. all the fuss. About. I see what all the fuss is about. Yeah, he's great. One of my favorite Zelda villains. Like, between him and Vati from a couple of other Zelda games, like, that's... And I have another favorite from a different game, I guess, but I won't spoil who it is yet. But those ones are just like my favorites because him and Vati are both just like little twinks. Mm-hmm. And that's just the perfect villain and he's, to me. Yeah, and not only that, um, like I, I did already like him for that reason, but like the fact that he turns out to be like such a clear counterpart to the companion that you've had for the whole game mm-hmm. is like a very really interesting good. reveal. He's like, pl- he's plot important as well as just being yeah. like horny and weird. <laughs> I know, right? Like Demise's sword is just horny. Like what <laughs> what's wrong? Like yeah. Promble? <laughs> yeah, like he he's just weirdly horny for no reason, but he's also a sword. So, all right, sure. Um when you finally kind of beat him, well, not be- you wear him down, and then Yurihim is like, well, well, we've been fighting. I've been able to bring my boss back, and he's been sucking Zelda's some of her soul out while we're waiting, and that's how he's gotten some powers. He's been sucking the soul out of Zelda. Um, he can't, like, kill her or anything, because it takes a long time to... to- do this, I guess. But he finally gets his human form again. Um, He comes out as the imprisoned first, and I'm just like, oh god. Oh god. Like, I don't have to fight the imprisoned again, do I? And then he... And then he goes back into being small mode. Well, not small. He's far bigger than Link still. Demise. Yeah, he kind of looks like Akuma from Street Fighter. (laughs) 
I don't know who that is, but I can just, I know how Street Fighter characters are built. So yeah. like, I can just imagine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he basically is just like, all right, if you want to throw hands, meet me in this weird realm I created whenever you're ready. And uh, they're like, all right, well, if you want to take a break and go heal and get some potions and shit now, that's a great time. And you can just choose to do the final boss battle whenever you're ready. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice. Yeah, that was nice of him. He made a very pretty realm, too. It's got, like, some nice reflective water in it. Yeah, it basically is, like... It reminds me a lot of the realm you're in in Ocarina of Time when you battle Dark Link, where it's just, like, the whole floor is very reflective and, like, mirror-ish. And there's, like... You can kind of just see, like, infinitely in the distance. Mm-hmm. But it does get kind of thundery after, uh, when, when you get to like the second part of the battle, there starts being like lightning coming from the sky. And like you said, it's, it's a sword fight. You have to dodge a lot of his attacks. And the main thing about this is you have to like use the lightning from the sky with a skyward strike to like charge your sword and fire that at Demise to kind of like disable him and go up to him and be able to hit him which is kind of cool i guess yeah but it's, it's like it's, yeah it's pretty intuitive because you see him putting his sword straight up and you're like oh i can do that but yeah. the problem is like the, the lightning only hits you at certain times i couldn't quite figure out if it was like a certain place you have to be standing to make it hit and then yeah when it played the animation of the link of link finally getting the skyward strike charge that's always when Demise would hit me, <laughs> like in that one split second. I know, same. Like, it was so annoying because like, I would lift my sword up just a second too late, then he would get his sword, and then I would like not be able to dodge because my hand is up, like trying to get a, a, a Skyward Strike going. And yeah, he would lunge at me or we would both fire them at the same time and then they cancel each other out instead of doing anything. Mm -hmm. And he does a- Which is kind of annoying. And he does a ton of damage when he like electrocutes yeah. you. So it, it, it definitely took me a couple tries. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky fight. The whole time I was thinking about how I was, I don't remember which like games done quick it was, but I remember one time watching someone do the demise battle blindfolded hmm. and just being like, yeah, nah, <laughs> no, I could never do this. Like, I don't, I did, I do think I beat the battle on my first try, but I did have like three things of potions on me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's tricky because like knowing exactly where he is is just really important. But um, then you have to do that final blow on him. The first time it fails, and then the second time you get it, and you and then it's like it feels a little anticlimactic. It's like oh, that's it. Like I just hit him, and and now he's gone because he only really has like two phases, whereas I think other phases of like other versions of Ganondorf. Like there's a lot of Zelda final bosses who will have like five phases. Yeah, or, or like two. a giant monster phase at the end, right? I was kind of expecting yeah. something like that, but I didn't mind. Again, yeah. games can be short, it's fine. You can just have two phases. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think part of the reason too is because if you're not super skilled at the sword fighting, which is super understandable, it's like, I am not very good at the sword fighting in this game. They don't want it to be impossible for you to beat. Whereas other Zelda games, it's like, you just need to get good enough at dodging and just not getting hit by a, a lot of stuff to, to get through all the phases. But here it's like, yeah, no, you do need to have a certain level of skill with the sword to do it. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, that was that's demise. And then we get a couple cutscenes after that. So we go back to Zelda and she's all happy and everything. We then say, okay, we're all going to go back to the present. And Zelda's like, Impa, aren't you coming too? And, and Impa says no, because she has to keep watching. She has to make sure Demise doesn't break free again or something. I don't know. Um, and Zelda's all sad about it. So Zelda gives her one of her bracelets, her little shiny prismatic bracelet, and is very upset. And then we go back to the present. We go back through the portal. And we see Granny there, and she's got Zelda's bracelet on. What? And we're all like, what? And all the characters make the the, the funny what face. And then Granny, Impa, just, she like gets Thanos snapped, basically. Yeah. She turns into like dust. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the least surprising reveal of the whole game, because like you possibly can, like she has the same braid and everything. Like you kind of knew that was the case. Yeah, and it's like okay, well, who else is here? Like the only reason that makes it somewhat surprising is like thousands of years have probably gone by in this time period. Yeah, but and you, so you're like, oh, but it's a fantasy world. Yeah, plus so, you've seen Impa, like she can survive anything probably. She's like old as balls. And then she's like, my job here is done. And then she just turns to dust. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's kind of surprised and also sad at the same time. Um, and then we say goodbye to Fi because basically, you know, to, see, to keep the seal, you have to put the Master Sword. Because you, I think after you defeat Demise, I think you like absorb his soul into your sword somehow. Yeah, um, I, I was kind of wondering what that meant for Girahim too, because, like, Demise put his sword in, like, the water of that area, and it just, like, dissolves at some point. And I'm like, no, yeah. obviously we're going to wonder what Gir what happened to Girahim. Yeah, like, I guess it makes sense for Demise, but yeah, no idea about Girahim. For Demise, it's, it's really cool lore, because, you know, the plot of a lot of Zelda games, the, the number one that comes to mind first is Ocarina of Time. Ganon was sealed away in the Sacred Realm and he gets released when you pull the Master Sword out when you're like this shitty little 10 year old pulling the sword out. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's how he can finally start getting back to power again is when you pull the sword out. Um, so Demise being trapped in the sword definitely it makes sense with the lore of Zelda. But yeah, you have to put the sword away to seal him. And so Fi is like, well, my job is done. I have to go back into the thing because I'm part of your sword. And it's like surprisingly sentimental. It's She's like, you know, I was just here doing my job, but I actually have grown to have this, what I think you call happiness. And I actually have really enjoyed traveling with you, Master. And it's just like, oh, mm. she, yeah, she's I'm nice. I'm still on my kick of being completely unsentimental about all machine and robot <laughs> characters. So I'm just like, uh, Phi is an operating system that was programmed by the goddess Hylia. She's like a tech bro in the sky. And everything she says to you was, she was programmed to say, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but I that's fair. But I will say, uh, I like when she says, you know, oh, I'll see you sometime far in the future. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's kind of referring to like every other Zelda game with a Master Sword in yeah. it. Yeah. So I can see Anytime that. Anytime you got the Master Sword. Yeah. Yeah. 
The Master Sword cool. just stopped getting software updates, so it didn't have a UI anymore, so you couldn't talk to Fi anymore, <laughs> but she's still in there. Exactly. Yeah, she's still there. She's just vibing. Uh, yeah, so that's like the end. Other than, I guess, right before the credits, you see, I guess, Grusa's friends are coming down to the surface on their loft wings to kind of see what the fuss is about. And they just kind of, Zelda's like, yeah, I'm excited to just hang out on the surface now. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I don't know. It looks like they're like just going to hang out together. Mm -hmm. no. If if you were Link in that scenario and Zelda asks you if you want to live on the surface, what do you say? Where where would you retire to if you were Link? Mm, probably the forest area somewhere. Interesting. Just because I don't like the heat. So I definitely wouldn't want to live in the desert, even though it's one of the cooler regions. I'd probably rather, I'd, you know what? I would want to live with the Kikwi. I see. The Farron Woods, yes. Yeah, because I, I would rather just live in the sky still. Like, fuck the surface. Mm, well, the sky is so small. It's like, it's like living in this very small town and yeah. there's nothing else. Because you can go back up to the sky whenever you want. I guess that's true. But I was just thinking, like, that's where all the other, like, Hylians are still. <laughs> you know, you're going to yeah, hang out with... I guess... You're going to hang out with Gorgo the rest of your life. I guess it depends. Because some of them might come down and hang out on the surface, too. Now that they know it's safe, they might come down and... Clearly, they had to start a society at some point. Because, you know, they don't call it Hyrule. But we know that it's going to become Hyrule. I guess that's point. true. Because, yeah, right now there's not really a name for... Well, right now it's Grooseland, right? <laughs> Yeah. And this was the legend of Groose. But I, I'm guessing other people will come down and live with you. Until that until they were willing to move, I would live in Skyloft or Pumpkin Landing. Mm, that's true. And you I guess if you live on Skyloft, you can go down to the surface whenever you want to. So mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the story. Um we had a couple other things left on the document. Um the soundtrack. Yeah, we should talk about the soundtrack in this game. Um, you were already on Slappers Only. This is true. I was on Slappers Only, and I did talk about my favorite songs from the game. But Do you yeah. have a single favorite? Yeah, I think my single favorite song from this game is the Stolfos music mm -hmm. from the, the Stolfos fight. But it's so tight because there are some really good songs. I really like the version of Zelda's Lullaby in this song, or in this game. Yeah. I really like Battle of the Goddess. It's just a complete Ballad of the Goddess is just Zelda's lullaby backwards and it somehow goes even harder than Zelda's lullaby it's so good mm -hmm. um, it's like because the Symphony of the Goddess tour was happening and like the tour dates were all scheduled they're like we just have to write a ton of orchestral music yeah and they, it has to just all of it's gonna go off and it's gonna be so good did you get to go to that, by the way? Did they come to Vancouver? Yep, I have been to two Symphonies of the Goddess. Oh. So the first one I went to was like back pretty, not that long after this game came out. So the Skyward Sword part was like huge. Um, that, 
I think I liked it more the first time I saw it than the second because the first time also had, um, they did my favorite Zelda song, which, I mean, okay. My favorite Zelda song is Farewell Hyrule King from Wind Waker, but that is just a rearranged version of the Hyrule, I believe it's the Hyrule Castle music from A Link to the Past. And they just did a big version of that in the, in the first symphony I saw. And that was just so good. Uh, so that was, yeah. And then the second time I saw it, I was kind of sick. And this was like, Four years ago, I went to see them in Quebec City, and they had, I believe, they did a version of Ballad of the Windfish at the end, which was really cool, because Link's Awakening is like my favorite handheld Zelda game. Hmm. So that was awesome. Yeah. I did the theater kid thing and listened to the whole soundtrack before I saw the show, before I uh, oh, before I played yeah. this game. I listened to and there's like... It's, it really is just like six full hours, like six CDs of like perfect podcasting music. Like we've oh, gotten yeah. some good feedback on using music throughout. And it's like, no, this game was made for that. It was. Um, yeah, there's so like I literally um, I used to make a lot of Zelda playlists back like maybe 10 years ago or so. And I made one that was just I called it Zelda's Lullabies. And it was just all a bunch of very pretty Zelda music that you could like fall asleep to. And it had so much music from this game. Like it had a couple of the Silent Realm songs on, like not the not the Silent Realm music when they're attacking you, but like the the twinkly version when when it's safe. Um, Zelda's lullaby. Just I think it had like the flooded Farren Woods in it. Like there's just a lot of really pretty music that you can just kind of listen to in the background and feel soothed. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my favorite is Bamboo Island. Uh, we opened our oh, first yeah. episode with it. It's just so yeah. great. It sounds like if Kay Tronada made a Zelda song. It doesn't sound like the it's, other, the rest of the sounds. Yeah, and, uh, it's really, really good. Yeah, and I was thinking of Song of, um, or the Isle of Songs music might be good to open this episode, but the more I listen to it, like it's fine in the game when you're kind of going from point A to point B, and like it's nice and atmospheric like there's rain falling and stuff but when you listen to it just like on its own it's so sad <laughs> like if you if you started if yeah. you're using it in an audio only medium like a podcast it would be like oh my god who died <laughs> well demise did and probably killed him <laughs> actually kind of got spoiled on some elements of the game like um Groose uh having a really long character arc just because of how yeah. many rearrangements of his theme there are and it's really <laughs> impressive that they managed to make one that's like um like melodramatic and sad like <laughs> the super goofy theme they made it they made it sad somehow with the yeah they can they can do it like the romantic gross theme like they've got so many versions like, he's such a great character and i think i think also just the fact that people talk about how much they like gross so much before you've played the game it probably also kind of tips you off that there's more yeah. to him than just being like this yeah that's you yeah he's great 
so yeah, I, like I listened to Bamboo Island and had this picture in my head of like this really grand like place with bamboo everywhere. And I'm like, why have I never heard people talk about this? I'm excited to see it. And then I get there in game and it's like one circular room with a mini game in it and a dad standing there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, but that's not really the game's fault. It's more just like they went so hard on the music. They did, yeah. No, they're like they. The songs are so good for things that are barely even part of the game, like things that are you barely spend any time there, and they just made the best music for it. It's definitely, definitely one of my top Zelda games in terms of favorite, in terms of best music. Yeah, personally. Well, Stephanie, I know you like, or maybe like hate watching um, Zelda listicles. Like top ten. Oh, videos. I love watching Zelda listicles. So, you have no idea how many I've watched. <laughs> so I figure this podcast is a good platform for you to make your own. And I was wondering yeah. where numerically you would rank Skyward Sword officially without spoiling the exact placements of like the games around it. Okay, so it's so hard going around the other because between the two D and three D games, there's. I have a lot of 2D games near the top of my Zelda list. I'm not going to spoil which mm. ones, but like... Yeah, and those are very different from the 3D ones, too. Yeah, that's the thing is they're so different. I will say there used to be a point where Skyward Sword was tied as my favorite Zelda game. It no longer is, but it's still close to the top. It's not first. It's not second. And also in my brain, I'm like, how do I explain whether or not I'm counting two games as one for reasons? <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a couple that I, okay, um, I would probably, and I, I reserve the right to change this after we've done more games, Okay. but I think I would put it sixth. Interesting. Uh -huh. I, yeah, I haven't played enough of them to really have an informed opinion, but I've yeah. seen people say that it's the worst 3D Zelda game, and I, I'm oh God, no. pretty Absolutely skeptical. Not. Yeah, I, I'm sure some of them are worse. Like, I, the one that I think about a lot, because maybe it's the last one that I played, and also just, like, the next one sequentially, is this game in Breath of the Wild. Like, I've seen the suggestion that if you took the good parts from both of them, they would kind of, like, cancel out each other's weaknesses and be, like, a, hmm. the perfect Zelda game. Interesting. But I, I don't know if that's true. It, they are, like, very different, though. Like, I've, I, have a, I would yeah. have a hard time even, like, ranking those two against each other. They're, like, whole different genres. I have a really hard time ranking Breath of the Wild among other Zelda games because it is so vastly different from all the other Zelda games. Like, it almost doesn't feel like a Zelda game in a lot of ways, but like it is, and it's a really good game. But the things I like about it are not the reasons why I play and love Zelda games. Mm -hmm. Because my favorite things are like, the themes you get in like a certain dungeon or a certain area like the all the dungeons in breath of the wild look very similar because they're very like like you know the the divine beasts all look the same like thematically yeah um i like to get like the different themes i like to get the different vibes but all of the shrines look the same but i like the puzzles they have but i wish there were more than four real dungeons there's a lot of things I could say, but I mean, I'm sure at some point we'll cover it, but yeah, just it doesn't feel like a Zelda game, but it's still a good game. Yeah, just an interesting thought with this game coming out on Switch and then Breath of the Wild 2 also supposedly coming out soon. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Skyward Sword. I think we we definitely like talked about a lot of its flaws as well along the way. But it just seems like there's definitely like something there, and the qualities that it has like are definitely strong. Yeah, absolutely. I will say without spoiling a lot of the 3D Zelda games, it's about in the middle of where I'd rank all of them. It's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. It's probably closer to my favorite than not, though. <laughs> it's, it's probably a little closer because that there was, like I said, there was a point when I consider this to be tied for my favorite Zelda game. But at this point, it's it's still up there. But it has a lot of competition. I there's a few Zelda games that I have very, very, very high praise for. So yeah. Well, I think that will do it for episode two of Twink's Awakening. Uh, a few things to plug. We have had a Twitter, actually since before our first episode, at TwinkyWakey. So make sure to follow us there. Yep. Um, it just shows you how like on top of things we are that we didn't mention it. I know. I, I did... I retweeted something from it the other day. So I, if you go to my Twitter, which is Age of Oddish, you will see that I've reached... Well, I don't know when you're... This, this is not a good thing for me to suggest because you could be listening to this episode at any point. But mm -hmm. I have retweeted, and I'm pretty sure I actually have um, the link to the account in my bio. So if you go to my bio, you will see like podcast host of Twinkie Wakey, and there's like a link to it in there. So yeah, nice. Um, and I want to send a special thanks to Matt Ribeiro of Noisespace.xyz for getting us hooked up on Noisespace. Yeah. Um, because if it wasn't for Matt, our distribution method would just be like writing the url to a dropbox file on little pieces of paper and like mailing them by snail mail to our 10 friends and that's the only way anyone <laughs> yeah, exactly. would hear our podcast <laughs> yeah instead we're hosted on like a whole network that matt has lovingly procured and there's lots of good podcasts on there that you can check out if you go to noisebase.xyz and it's z because that's how you say the letter it's not z mm -hmm. That's it for Twink's Awakening, and remember, a delayed podcast may eventually be good, but a bad podcast is bad forever. Thank you! <laughs> Bye!